Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan, and with me this morning is Monica Brass, who is the Communications Manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario. It's always good to be part of the show, Jim. Ask BBB brings you information from and about businesses you can trust by featuring business owners and managers who share their experience and insight so that consumers are better informed about products and services they're contracting or purchasing. Is that email really from your boss? A BBB study reveals why you need to check before you follow the boss's orders. We'll bring you details later on in the program. And later we'll learn how a London company is helping to make the world a little brighter when we talk to Brian Weber of EcoPower, Inc. Now, if you are a rental property owner, you'll want to stay tuned to hear our conversation with Malcolm Miller of Able Property Management. Welcome to Ask BBB, Malcolm. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here, Jim. Yes, thanks for joining us on the show today, Malcolm. So who usually contracts a property manager? Usually an owner of uh, an apartment building, uh, complex apartment buildings or houses for the purpose of renting, uh, for purpose of renting the apartments or the housing and looking at after while they may be away or whether they're running it as a business. Well, what are some of the things that a property manager then does for the property owner? A full-service company would um, collect and distribute the rent or the proceeds from the rent, Uh, would issue things such as rent rolls to the owner to show who's paying, who isn't, whether they're up to date, etc., supervision of management of the building and the units for outside and inside, expense reports for parts purchased, laborers used, contractors brought in to fix things, uh, fielding tenant complaints and repairs that they request, enforcement of property standards, local and provincial codes, fire alarm inspections uh, such as smoke detectors, and if you have an inspection by the fire department, you have to accompany them and make the corrections as they require according to the codes, and they're changing all the time. Um, contractor done, uh, sorry, contractor work done, and any inspections that are required by the city or by the contractor to verify that it's okay, such as electrical stuff, ESA and stuff. Uh, and also issuing and delivering the forms for the landlord and tenant board, N4 is for lent rate, lent, uh, late rent, N5 for um, disruptive behavior or disturbing other people or damages, etc. And then the eviction notices, the L1s and L2s, basically. So it's fairly comprehensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, are there things that a property manager doesn't do? Uh, generally speaking, we don't look after insurance of the buildings, taxes, or major improvements, buying or selling. So what would you say are the most common mistakes made by rental property investors? Um, choosing a location which is always the old real estate thing, location, location, yeah. location, right? Um, inspection of the property before they buy it to find out if there's any flaws behind it, whether it's in old plumbing, if a building's 40 or 50 years old, uh, any structural faults, um, windows, for ins- installation, and, of course, the uh, heating equipment that's there in the mechanical room, the hot water heaters or the furnace boiler, whatever it is. Do some investors... Uh contract a property management person before they make the purchase uh, just so that they run through that list, Malcolm? Sometimes they phone. Oftentimes they're already established. 
you do get the occasional call and they want to know how much you cost, what you do, etc. Uh, on occasion, I've gone around with somebody into a building, but they've already known me because they just want a second opinion. Mm-hmm. The other thing is about the uh, thing on the um, what is the owner mistake is financing. Okay, okay. What, is, what is the mistake that's made there? They have too big of a mortgage. So therefore, the mortgage payment has to be made, obviously. And it um, it reduces the amount of money they can spend on repairs and maintenance. So and, as a property manager, would you help them kind of look through uh, what those expenses and predict what they might be and, and give yeah, them there, a picture of that? There are standard sheets that tell you what your percentages should be through the CMHA and things like that, other business uh, criteria is applied. So, <clears throat> so you can have a percentage of how much you should spend on repairs, how much on this, how much on that. Okay. So in terms of you know seeking out your services, how are fees determined? The fees are determined uh, – some people use a percentage of revenue, which would mean if you – say you had 10 apartments, one was vacant, you'd make less money if it was vacant, obviously. So that's an, ad- an advantage to the owner. Uh, a lot of them are flat fees, like so many dollars per month per unit on an apartment building. On a house, there's a – it's a higher rate per unit. It's more like $100 or so as a base price and you adjust from there. Uh, and then, of course, labor rates are set by me. And it's up to the owner whether they accept that or not for handyman labor. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's commissions for renting the places. For instance, if your one's vacant and you rent it, you get a percentage of the, the monthly rental fee. So if I'm looking for a property management company, what are some of the things that I should be sure are in the contract? Um, I would say uh, limits on spending, how much the property manager can spend without the approval of the owner. And we put that in our contracts as a set fee that you only spend so much unless it's an emergency without their approval. Um, cancellation terms, uh, a lot of them are just 30 or 60 days notice. Um, you should do that though, otherwise you get locked in for a longer time. Um, you should designate the responsibility of the, per- of the property manager, what he should do, what they want you to do, etc., where the money's going, for instance, a lot of cases, I will collect the money for rents, put it into a bank account under their name, although it's my account, but it's their name, and then take the expenses, et cetera, and charges out and forward them the revenue. And, of course, we always recommend that you make sure that the business is BBB accredited as, as well. Well, of course, right, <laughs> and that they should have the sufficient insurance, and, of course, we have forms for this. If uh, someone's interested in contracting you and Able Property <laughs> Management, uh, what's the contact? Well, there's two. Number one is a phone number, 519-671-9774. And the other one is my uh, – you can email me at able.property at hotmail.com. The company website is ableproperty.org. Able is A-B-L-E. That will give you more information and description of people and backgrounds. Thanks for being part of uh, Ask BBB this morning. Welcome. You're welcome, Jim. Welcome. Miller is president of Able Property Management. Able Property Management is accredited with the Better Business Bureau with A-plus rating. Stay tuned to learn how a London company is lighting up the country. Come back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Braz, who is the Communications Manager with BBB, serving Western Ontario. When Thomas Edison introduced the electric light bulb to the world back in 1879, it changed how we work and play.
Now that source of light has changed, a change that could lead to a brighter, cleaner future. We are joined now by Brian Weber, president of EcoPower Inc. Manufacturers and distributors of LED lights for home, community, and industry. Welcome to Ask BBB, Brian. Can you give us a brief overview of what EcoPower Inc. does? Absolutely, Monica. EcoPower is a green tech company that is located in London, Ontario, and provides LED lighting, solar lighting poles, and uh, IoT uh, to the commercial and industrial market throughout North America. What is IoT, Brian? The Internet of Things. I guess that's a term that we all need to learn, IoT, the Internet of Things. Your company was formed in in 1992. That's 26 years ago. What are some of the biggest advances in lighting technology in those years, Brian? Well, uh, we started off, uh, Jim, as an HID lighting control systems back in the day, and uh, that uh, powered, uh, it, you know, the the big bulbs that you see uh, in pass on the streets. And, uh, and now, as we drive around London or uh, pretty much uh, any major populated area uh, throughout uh, the globe, uh, you know, we're seeing LED lighting, uh, and that has been uh, that has been uh, the biggest advance, absolutely. Uh, certainly in the last uh, eight to ten years uh, of our uh, of our existence, and uh, there's just some amazing uh, advancements uh, coming out of that uh, uh, for controls uh, going forward as well. So your website is actually um, very useful, and the FOQ section on there provides answers to questions that maybe people haven't really thought about. The first and most basic one is, what is an LED? What is an LED? Very good question, Monica. So it's a light-emitting diode, and uh, it uh, it is uh, powered by uh, DC current, and it uh, outputs a, uh, a photon, uh, which is a, a, a visible light wave, uh, which then allows us to uh, see the uh, objects um, around us and uh, gives us um, the uh, the ability to also uh, change the color of the LED, uh, as you can uh, see in uh, red, green, and blue LEDs uh, that are in um, big outdoor billboards, for instance, and, and certainly uh, TV technology. Um, so uh, hopefully that, uh, that's a good uh, explanation of what an LED is. There's a lot of technical information on your website about LEDs. Uh, one thing we'd like to ask is, why are LEDs considered green? Technology. Hmm. Very good question. So, when we look at the past performance of lighting, uh, it was what we had in the day, and uh, it would use uh, X amount of kilowatts uh, per hour. And uh, LED lighting is extremely efficient. Uh, when we talk about uh, the efficacy of lighting, we talk about the efficiency. It's uh, lumens per watt. Uh, so lumens is what an LED uh, uh, emits or, or what we measure on the surface uh, of, uh, you know, the light coming out of an LED. And a watt is uh, the energy that is used. And so the efficacy is the relationship between those two. And back in the day, Jim, we'd have quartz lamps that would literally have, you know, six, eight, uh, six eight uh, lumens per watt, and uh, now today with uh, commercial industrial lighting, we're upwards of 160, 170 lumens a watt. So we're providing, you know, a thousand to fifteen hundred percent more light in certain circumstances uh, using the same amount of electricity. 
EcoPower Inc. installs lighting across Canada for large organizations such as a turkey farm in Moncton, Ontario, through to the Genesis Community Centre in Alberta. What is the scale of cost reduction in such installations? Cost reduction is typically about 67% on average when we look at legacy or past technologies, fluorescence, HID, that type of uh, you know, A19s, which would be your standard household bulb. You're looking at about a 67% reduction. So it's significant in that the average commercial facilities bill every month for energy is comprised of at least 21% or more for lighting. So now, are these lighting products that can save such uh, amount available to homeowners? And, and would the cost reductions be similar, Brian? Absolutely, Jim. Home Depot and some of the other big box stores have done an excellent job of bringing in very high-efficient LED bulbs for standard A19 screw-ins to PARs, uh, which are your round outdoor uh, spotlights, to fluorescents that are being replaced with uh, LED fixtures and LED uh, plug-and-play bulbs that will work in the same fluorescent fixture, and you just put a a bulb in, to um, high-end pot lights that uh, are dimmable. Uh, There's a myriad of uh, LED lighting that is very efficient and will reduce significantly a household's energy usage. So people can go online to your website and learn a great deal more about what uh, EcoPower does and and uh, where you do it. We want to thank you very much, uh, Brian, for joining us here this morning on Ask BBB. Well, thank you very much, Jim and Monica. I really appreciate the time. And uh, if there's any additional information that your listeners have, by all means, please visit uh, the website uh, at uh, www.ecopowerinc.com and uh, ask any question you'd like. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been Brian Weber, who is president of EcoPower, Inc., an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. Is that email really from the boss? We'll return in a moment with details on why you should ask that question. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Brass, who is the Communications Manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario. Is that email really from the boss? BBB in the USA and Canada are urging companies to train employees to ask that question. And Jim, that is now a $3 billion question. That's the estimated amount that business email compromise scams have cost businesses and other organizations since 2016. And that figure comes from a study that was released earlier this week. So the BBB investigation study is entitled, Is That Email Really from the Boss? The Explosion of Business Email Compromise Scams. It really looks at the prevalence of these scams and the criminal systems that perpetrate them. It digs into the scope of the problem, who is behind it, the multi-pronged fight to stop it, and the steps consumers and businesses can take to avoid it. It sounds as though it's a very thorough and detailed study, Monica. It is. The full study is actually available on the BBB website, so that's BBB.org. It draws attention to the magnitude of the fraud. As well, it will help companies recognize the many forms the fraud takes. Well, just how big is it? 
this is actually quite serious. This growing fraud has tripled over the last three years, jumping fifty percent in the first three months of 2019 compared to the same period in 2018. Since 2016, scammers have built businesses and other organizations out of three billion dollars, and attempted another twenty-three billion dollars. Even large organizations such as Google and Facebook have lost more than a hundred million to this fraud before the perpetrator was arrested in 2017. So you said this takes many forms. So how exactly does the scam work? Well, business email compromise fraud is essentially an email phishing scam that typically targets people who pay bills in businesses, even governments and nonprofit organizations. The scammer poses as a reliable source, such as the business owner or CEO, who sends an email from a spoofed or hacked account to the accountant or the financial officer. The email asks them to wire money, buy gift cards, or send personal information, often for a very plausible reason. If the money is sent, it goes into an account controlled by the con artist. So, does the study give us some definition of what to be alert to, Monica? Yes. So, the study says that the FBI recognizes at least six types of activity as back or email account compromise fraud, which differ based on who appears to be the email sender. So, one of them is the chief executive officer asking the CFO to wire money to somebody. Or it could be a vendor or a supplier requesting a change in invoice payment. Sometimes executives would request a copy of employee tax information, or then senior employees could seek to have their pay deposited into a new bank account. An employer or a clergyman could also ask the recipient to buy gift cards on their behalf. Or even the realtor sector is involved. A realtor or title company could be asked to redirect proceeds from a real estate sale into a new account. They are clever, and they cover a lot of territory. Have any of these scammers been arrested? Yes. So some of these scammers are being brought to justice. The majority of the defendants are of Nigerian origin, and details of the efforts by law enforcement agencies is contained in detail in the report. So, in the meantime, what action can businesses take to prevent this fraud? Well, there are many options to consider from a technological standpoint. However, there are other free or low-cost actions that can help prevent this type of fraud. A key action is learning how to recognize and avoid responding to these phishing emails. To start with, a corporate culture or training can also impact the success of these scams. Pick up the phone or walk down the hall to confirm if the request by email is actually legitimate. In this age of electronic communications, many people are sometimes reluctant to call or talk in person. However, senior leaders need to develop a culture that encourages this to prevent this type of fraud. Also, we can train all employees on internet security. It's really not just an IT issue anymore. Some IT and technical、um, options could include using multi-factor authentication, change settings so that emails coming from outside of an organization are automatically flagged with a warning, 
and they can also verify changes in information about customers, employees, and vendors. So, what do you do if if you've lost money to this fraud? Well, immediately call your bank to stop the payment and report it to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. If a report is filed within 48 hours, there is a chance that the money could be recovered. So you can share a complaint or information with the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. They have a 188 number, and you can also find them online. And additionally, you can report the fraud to the BBB Scam Tracker on our website bbb.org. And Monica, these highlights、uh, are、uh, of this detailed study, and they're all available for our listeners. That's right. Listeners can go to bbb.org to find the full study and additional information. And Monica, that's all our time for Ask BBB this time around. Monica Braz is the communications manager with BBB, serving Western Ontario. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western Ont. Remember, ask BBB and start with trust.